Top of the news this evening is speculation concerning the real facts behind the Department of Health announcement about a radioactive spill supposed to have occurred yesterday at the state nuclear plant. You will die only to live again in a younger body. Then you can tell me if the operation was a success. I could easily kill you now. But I'm determined to have your brain. You're listening to the Really Awful Movies Podcast, a celebration of genre cinema. Hi, my name is Chris, and along with Jeff, we talk about movies that aren't really awful at all. Horror, action, kung fu, musicals, post-apocalyptic, women in prison films, and much, much more. Welcome to spring break. Annual migration of the idiots. Edward Diablo Santor, the state stands ready to execute you as charged. Do you have any last words? May the Lord have mercy on you. From our downtown Toronto headquarters, here's episode 293. Nightmare Beach, featuring the denizens of Nick's Bar, but you'll be mistaken if you think this is It's a Wonderful Life, although it's pretty wonderful. This is Umberto Lenzi's epic slasher film from the late 80s, Nightmare Beach. Yeah, a bit of a slasher, a bit of a giallo as well, mm-hmm. I forgot out the killer, but it's funny because uh, you call this epic, meanwhile this is a man who directed Nightmare City. He took on an entire city experiencing a nightmare. Now, <laughs> now we're limiting it. Manatee to Beach, Beach is not a city. <laughs> it's well, a it's rip- a city upon itself, I guess. <laughs> a rip-roaring... Uh, yeah, it's a bustling metropolis at least yeah. two weeks of the year. Yep. No, I mean, this is a brutal lens. I mean, in addition to Nightmare City, he's also directed Camel Ferox, Eaton Alive, uh, Seven Bloodstained Orchids, which we also... Um, Podcasted. Almost human spasmo. Spasmo. I love that title. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah he's, he's one of the best. So, uh, Nightmare Beach. And There's forgive a, me, there may be a few times in the podcast when I call it Nightmare City, but this is Nightmare Beach. Uh, so. it, 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 whatever you call it, it's a nightmare. And the nightmare that's being plagued on this town is that of a motorcycle madman on the loose. Well, I was going to say, I thought you were going to say that is the, the yearly tradition on a spring break. Which is oh, yeah. <laughs> that could be. Uh, now, spring break is not really much of a thing in Canada, but no. apparently in Florida, it's what it keeps the economy booming along with uh, the uh, crystal meth, crystal meth <laughs> and, and uh, attendance at uh, uh, one of Disney World's yeah, various exactly. parks. Theme parks yeah. uh, my God. Breakers, that they're called. I almost think we're in some sort of uh, duel or trucker movie, like Breaker, Breaker, one, two, three. Breakers, as the locals have dubbed them, descend upon this town en masse by the thousands to engage in sexual exploits, the likes of which haven't been seen since Caligula in ancient Rome, with the gyrating bodies, much wet of it. Wet t shirt contest. Wet t shirt, much of it B roll, let's be honest, mm-hmm. <laughs> and just shot after the fact. and B roll and uh, C cup roll and D cup roll. And, uh, <laughs> and fat rolls too, but not yeah. many. Lots of beach bait. Even some males as well. So <laughs> yeah. There's yeah. some equal opportunity. <laughs> Cheesecake on display and mm. beefcake along with that cheese. Mm. Mostly cheese. And the citizens start disappearing on account of this killer although the killings are being ascribed to a gang uh, sort of a one percenter biker gang called fabulously demons Dem- who have the demons, the demons logo, logo on, on their the their, uh, their copyright infringing on the back of their uh, leather uh, their cuts so although, um, i mean I, maybe uh Lindsay is friends with lumberto bava and got permission mm-hmm. to use it but that was a really cool touch actually yeah, the demons it, logo it on was the back. it was kind of or neat. i mean it was kind of like it was a demons logo but it was a little off kilter so maybe it was a copyright <laughs> infringement 
They say, yeah, let's just use, we'll call it like, uh, the gang demons. Let's use the logo. And uh, so they, <laughs> they went as close as po- they possibly could without actually using it. But uh, Now, uh, speaking of devils, uh, what launches this movie is Diablo, Diablo who's yeah. an ex-biker who is given the chair for his various transgressions. Mm-hmm. And he's zapped in, you know, spectacular fashion. And the, the time-honored tradition for the officials attending this guy's demise is the call from the governor. Governor says it's all good, and so he's not saved. Zap, 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 done. Yep. Now, and in attendance is his uh, the sister of one of his victims, and a cop who was responsible, I guess, for putting the case together. With oh, of course, Trump yeah. He wants to see his work done right to and the very end. This cop's name is Striker. Striker, Striker right at an airplane. The indefatigable John Saxon. <laughs> Although you looked pretty fatigued here, he did look I guess. Fatigued in this movie, yeah. It's and basically I, him from Nightmare on Elm Street. It is. The cop wandering around, just, just glowering at people. And also there's the medical examiner, played by the wonderful Michael Parks as well. So there's a good cast in this one. Yeah, genre stalwart. So this is, you got to say, a very, very elaborate, and this is not a spoiler, or maybe it's a partial spoiler, but a very elaborate red herring to start the right off the bat, because the killer's M.O. has something to do with electricity. Exactly. So, oh, I... There's a, a, a electric chair themed horror movie. His name escapes me. With Shocker. The, Shocker. The, yeah. That in, incredible VHS box cover art. There's another 80s one that was it's on my list, which I never saw. I've talked about uh, many times in this podcast my uh, antipathy towards horror when I was a, a youth and how it really had a very, very visceral effect on me and I couldn't watch many movies. But one time, I was maybe 14, 15 years old, I was at a slumber party. And Hopefully no massacre. <laughs> there was no massacre, um, but there was shocker that was rented on VHS and it was being played for for those of us at the slumber party. And me being as terrified as I was, I actually put on a set of headphones, so whatever <laughs> '80s music was playing at the time, maybe Debbie Gibson or Tiffany, and I covered my head with a uh, with a blanket. But every so often, I would sort of peek at the screen, and then I was kind of like, you know what, this is not so bad. And I watched about three quarters of the movie. But oh well, yeah. And uh, this one... Uh, I remember Mitch Pelagi, I believe, was the... Uh, oh, my God. Your powers of recall are beyond... Well, I could be mistaken, but I'm... Now, what I will be mistaken in, and I'll, I did what the name of one of the characters would implore me to do. His name is Skip, and I did that with all the character names, so I'm, I'm really not well-versed as to who all these people are. But our main protagonist is a failed college football star who's got zero joie de vie. He's surrounded by thousands of buxom, beautiful, mm-hmm. undulating bodies, and he's like a, he's a wet blanket. Well, I mean, to his defense, he's sort of not into it. He had just recently uh, blown a massive uh, play at the Rose Bowl. And, oh, well. Uh, mm-hmm. It was in Sports Illustrated, apparently. It was all over <laughs> yeah, TV. Yes. And everywhere he went, people were reminding him of... Um, uh, his, uh, his five interceptions. His grid, grid, gridiron uh, gaff. <laughs> but still, couldn't he find comfort in the in the you know heaving bosom of one of the ladies on the beach? I mean, come on. And his friend, especially being so f- allegedly famous. Yeah, and fairly good looking too. Mm-hmm. And his friend, who looked like a roaring up Ralph Macchio, yeah. was trying to <laughs> get him to sort of get out of his shell and uh, you know get painted some uh, debauchery. Yeah. Some <laughs> yeah, and in this pivotal scene, I mean, this is like play it Sam with Humphrey Bogart. I mean, this is so iconic, right? This is the dumping of the prophylactics onto the bed and yeah. the urging that we're going to have the greatest time yeah, this, we're this week. every single one by the time this week is <laughs> yeah. over. Meanwhile, there's like 40 prophylactics, so... And, well, uh, Unless they want to use them for water balloons, swim <laughs> out of the balcony, I don't see them using them <laughs> before the weekend's over. It's true. It's unfortunately for the um, the procurer, he is, he is 
not long for this earth and will not be able to engage in you know anything with anybody uh, despite his, not for lack of trying he's hitting on anything with x you know x chromosomes yep. this guy is like just a rutting pig of me too pre me too just hey baby like i play football it's just a gross character yep. and the fact that he met his maker so quickly really didn't bother me too much yep. you know well he's not the first victim of the killer no. the motorcycle killer but he's uh definitely one of the earlier victims so uh yeah let's describe this killer oh fantastic well in a callback to the crackerjack opening scene with the electrocution the motorcycle killer's mo is to use dress in black leather he's yeah, got the the black uh, helmet with the visor fully concealing his face and his mo is to electrocute people through his motorbike which is retrofitted uh, with some weird metal trident stuck to the back and that he i don't know what he does like to rig this up with some high voltage because it's different sometimes he has he puts wires together and then other times he sort of takes the hand of one of his victims and t t taps it on the back of the motorbike it's very odd yeah. but he also like can garrote people at that time so his he's, he's kind of versatile with his killing yeah and every time he kills somebody there is there is some uh degree of electrocution involved and as you were saying before, the big red herring is, oh, is Diablo come back from the grave to exact revenge? Yeah. And they even go to his grave and it's, uh, it's empty. And dun, dun, dun. the demon gang is running havoc throughout this town. I mean, yeah. they're, they're causing <laughs> havoc and they're getting no end of uh, the business from Stryker. Which is pretty funny because you got to figure like a gang that's this tough. These guys are like hell's angels and really... It's one striker against 40, and his word is so powerful that oh, they I will know. head for the hills if he says, get lost, guys, and that's it. They're done. You would think he'd be like, yeah, copper, yeah, you yeah. just try and make copper. us, you know? <laughs> yeah, more authority than uh, Brian Bosworth and Stone Cold. I mean. Oh, the, the parallels are unbelievable, yeah. And it's just amazing that the, those two heads collide, and then well, these two forces collide, too, because... The murder of this, you know, roided up dummy is initially pinned on the gang. And it makes sense because they bury him out in some quarry. Really, really, mine really site. Cool. I mean, they don't, they don't alert anybody. They, mm. you know, they find the body. They don't alert the family. They don't give him proper burial. They just take him out to this quarry and cover him <laughs> up with limestone. And that's the end of that. For him to be discovered by the wet blanket football player and the sister of the, who, of the initial... Uh, one who was killed, and I say that in quotes, because they do sort of infer that there was some sort of uh, shady police business. Yeah. Who killed the sister of this this lady that runs the bar. The yeah, not, bar. not very well-developed plot, but really, ultimately, what it, it's, it's up to the protagonist, Skip, and his new barmaid pal to start solving the the spate of murders because the 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 lead investigator striker is really quite uninterested in the proceedings or unwilling to really uh, poke the hornet's nest that is the the you know hell's angels or whatever. Well, uh, yeah, I mean there sort of is a reason for that, but we're not going to get into it for mm -hmm. lots of spoilers. <laughs> yeah. I hope I don't want to tread upon what we've learned, but my God, like just glorious lines of moments between the different characters one one uh, little bit of banter is this is a great bit of exposition where gail i believe the bartender mm -hmm. and he, uh, she's paired up with the skip and bartender buddy of she's skip, yeah. she's a kind of italian looking she's got that 
dumb look on her face and she's a brunette. So, <laughs> what are you I'm, here? No, I'm, I meant in, from the genre, you know, for the, the giallo type uh, spacey woman. Yeah. Okay. yeah. And she says, Ooh, this is spacey city woman. <laughs> this is where my sister lived until she was murdered. So that, that came out of nowhere. I thought, whoa, holy exposition, Batman. So her sister was murdered and we, we find out later who was responsible for that. So very, very funny and uh, consistently referring to jocks as jock straps, which is funny because like, I don't know, John Saxon is not an intimidating figure. Like all <laughs> five foot eight of, of his like, uh, you know, two paid dome and everything. And, just, and his, his glowering doesn't cut that much of a, an impact when you compare it to, let's say, his role in Nightmare on Elm Street again, where he's there's kids involved and he comes in as an older authority figure that really carries some weight. Mm. Here, he's just so ridiculous, uh, getting in the face of what actually look like pretty, pretty badass, tough guy looking bikers. I mean, this is an 80s movie, but these guys are not to be trifled with. They got chains. It's funny too, because it's, it's like it's in a, in a city, in a town where, you know, it's notorious for uh, being besieged by spring breakers and spring breakers, you know, they do things that are sort of skirting the law yeah. and also a town is besieged by a biker gang the demons it seems like the police force is a one man police force and that's John Saxon John Saxon only uh, there's also of course the aforementioned uh, medical examiner who works closely with the police and there's a priest as well yeah, well, the medical examiner was fantastic. Is I don't know, I didn't fact check this, but it's possible for any town whose ranks uh, explode during particular times of the year that maybe their services would be overrun by these thousands of multitudes descending on it. So what they actually set up, and uh, again, I don't know if they actually do this, but there's a, almost a mass unit set up, and I don't know whether that was by design by the producers who lacked the budget to film the interior <laughs> of a hospital but this looks like some yeah. sort of uh, warehouse yeah. so they, but you never know well, if, if the town is maybe 10,000 and then if for two weeks of the year it becomes 60,000 like these people have to go somewhere and the hospital can't accommodate it and it's not worth building one just for uh, a bunch of people who need their stomach pumped or what and other things so I don't know that, that was pretty funny uh, cliches abound in this the wonderful the time honored this is Part for the course in so many horrors where I'm going to go investigate and then the uh, the interlocutor says but you can't go alone it's too dangerous and you know which is just a classic like I'm going to go investigate you can't do that I'm coming with you uh, of course you're coming with you at your own peril and then the other one whereas the victim walks backward 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 away from the noise backward backward and into the arms of the killer which is <laughs> fantastic uh, so really, this is uh, a procedural for half of it amidst these pretty glorious kills. Yeah, I mean they're not gory per se, but they because the elocution. I can't even say it. You can't I, even elocute. Elocution. Yeah. Elocute. Elocution. Evolved. You get these wonderfully burned, charred corpses, which I really appreciated. Now, there's a really dour horror involving an arsonist, and you're gonna have to. I think it might be Bloody Wednesday, but correct me if I'm wrong. I know. I there's seen that there's one. a uh, killer who's is that the Thanksgiving one that you always talk about? I think it yeah. might be. There's a killer who's uh, flashes back to setting fires, and his mo is using a, a, a blowtorch and setting fires. So, but this killer also uses a boiler room and sets one of his victims on fire. So that deviates somewhat from his electrocution mo. So it's just kind of weird too, but a glorious, like Fulci-esque face melt of the victim there, and. Uh, so yeah, different 
great killings and you know kind of an engaging silly sort of dimwit who threw again the five interceptions who's the, at at a loss trying to figure out what to do and he i think in a couple of occasions he goes to the biker clubhouse and tries to like spy on them through the uh barbed wire and he's like hanging out in the bushes and he's he's a one-man gang too which is pretty funny yeah. so between well, him I mean, and striker like there's the, no one dealing with like the, this gang that is all yeah exactly and that is part for the chorus in yellows where the police are so ineffective that one of the um either friends or relatives or spouses of one of the victims <laughs> takes it upon themselves to sort of take uh, do their own uh, investigation yeah and uh we've seen that many many times in yellows and uh i believe um Oh, the name escapes me with the bridal house and everything. And uh, uh, yes, we podcast, uh, we podcast yeah, with the and fashion house. Oh man, yeah. Was that even seven bloodstained orchids? That could have been. It could have been. Could oh have been my god, these jollies are all like come, you know, blending into one. Mm. And so yeah, and then they they put on their own little dunderhead investigation, which <laughs> also kind of leads them into the path of the killer as well. So another cliche we could just throw in the pile on this one. Yeah, and uh, in terms of the movies that are this one is inspired by, there's the Jaws, oh no, what is this going to do to our town's reputation as the bodies start to pile up, which I never understood as a, yeah, I could see that with a shark maybe, but with this, wouldn't you want to put an end to the slasher's killings or else it's surely going to cause bigger problems down the line of like course, you, yeah. you never like you, whoa there's well, one I mean, or two bodies let's just it up right cut. now during spring break maybe to not uh, alarm the spring breakers so okay so then their debauchery all right no but, one reads uh, newspapers anyways so it's course, okay uh, a year later it's another spring break and yeah. the, the you know and the, the clock turns over exactly. and <laughs> or whatever but by trying to uh put a band-aid on it in the short term they're definitely making some uh, they're creating problems for them in the long term for sure so. now oh my god uh, <laughs> like the denizens of Nick's bar like these people are unbelievable like hey baby can I get your number right off the bat like a guy pounding on the top of the bar demanding a beer like just pounding oh, his fist that's what you do that's your <laughs> problem, <laughs> and there's so many people thrown out and just like the awful behavior and speaking of awful I gotta say I mean, the ear-piercing, terrible soundtrack of this. And I found out that it, it was who was responsible was one of a long time Ted Nugent co-writer <laughs> co and collaborator really? responsible for this uh, 80s screeching guitar. It reminded me a lot of like uh, of like Loverboy crossed with Wasp. So like, a little bit of a harder edge, a little bit of Motley Crue thrown in, yeah. and they wasted no opportunity to fill every empty second with this just noodling awful guitar and oh my god but weird because the actual concert at Manatee Beach that all these throngs are so enamored by is more of a new wave uh, band with uh, you know again a, a guy in the sporting a headband and like you know, these like the saxophone solos and leotards and that so that was at really cross purposes with the metal that everyone was jamming out to at Nick's bar so mm -hmm. it makes me makes you wonder like this really straddles the new wave Plus, uh, you know, the metal era of that time. So this was, what, 89 that this came came into yep. being? Like, oh, my God. Obviously filmed in 88 because somebody was wearing a shirt that said 88 on the back. Like, mm. So, But, yep, it was uh, it came out in 89. And, you know, another movie that this one uh, for taps is Assault on Precinct 13. Because out of the blue, I guess you figure because there's only one police 
officer uh, in of any, import, of any really. import laying down the law in Manatee Beach that the bikers actually rob. But isn't the, the manatee your favorite animal? I believe you mentioned that. In a uh, no, but it's the first animal I remember from being a kid because I was okay. down in Florida and I saw this giant thing under the water and I thought it was a whale and then later I found out you know it was the uh, you know the sloth-like uh, wonderful mammal the the manatee and. The, so they, yeah, assault on Precinct 13, they, they storm the police station and there's like one guy left to defend it who's not Stryker, John Saxon, and he's like grabbed around the neck and they rob the station. And I, I was thinking like, do you remember that? Because it was so brazen, because what better thing to do when you're being investigated for a spate of murders than, you know... Uh, poke the bear of the local constabulary and just you know rob them as i don't know it's so bizarre it was this thing was really really wacky and you alluded to the male nudity there's several instances of of guys like gyrating for this so even even though there's like a bikini wet shirt t-shirt contests and all this there's guys dropping their drawers and showing their cracks and it, it was odd and I, i'm not aware of any wet t-shirt contest in Florida or elsewhere that actually involves toplessness because that's the whole point of the wet t-shirt is to well, wet it and then and the, the girls here were just doffing everything I don't know if you recall I mean did you ever watch uh, Ed the Sock um, oh yes yeah Ed the Sock Ed the Sock was this uh, local television personality and he was what he was he was a sock puppet yeah <laughs> and he was pretty he was, uh, yeah. it was it predated uh, Triumph the Insult tri yes yeah. com comic dog and he was he was pretty cantankerous and he would he was pretty uh, he had a cigar so he had a vaudeville kind of exactly. thing going yeah. and on his show they would often show clips of spring break debauchery and they would show <laughs> wet t-shirt contests and because the show was on on our beloved city TV which would you know, basically show everything and anything at the late hour. Yeah, there was definitely toplessness and nudity. Ah, so. Well, I, I think more so in the maybe in the Spanish Quarter, New Orleans style, where oh, yelling it out, show me your tits, kind of thing. But in the context of the contest, sock, it was in Daytona, Florida. And, uh, Whoa! Yeah. Wow! Like we, we certainly missed out, didn't we? I mean, you know, we we uh, did our. Did you ever go to a Sega Beach for us? Uh, I have, but it was the the extent of the carnage and the you know and the lustiness and all this stuff is not nowhere close to that lasciviousness yeah, yeah we spent our university years in toronto and we had nothing of any consequence to to do here there's nothing in spring well, break spring everyone break here goes to minus 10 so well yeah <laughs> everyone here tends to go to mexico and then that kind of um you know, debauchery happens in uh, Cancun and all that. So that's where spring breakers go here. If not, yeah, I don't think they partake in... I was in Cancun in... for a bit of spring break. Hmm. What was that like? It was pretty nuts. I mean, considering the fact I wanted a uh, quiet vacation after about a year <laughs> sp uh, spent traveling the globe. And I and Cancun was your destination well, of choice? Well, because I, I went, we went with a mutual friend and he convinced me to go to Cancun. And I had no clue that it was during American spring break. So, Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, so that probably came with it. Everyone wearing, uh, well, either next to nothing or various university affiliations, with uh, which I never understood. Like when I was in New Orleans for New Year's, it's the same kind of thing. Bourbon Street, all these people wearing like fucking Arkansas State and University of Alabama and all this stuff. Like, who, you got to represent, who, my friend. You who gives represent. a crap though? You're in like I, I don't know. I don't get it. But <laughs> and I actually got out of. Bourbon Street really quickly because there was vomit coming at me from all sides <laughs> and it, it was it was pretty gross like, there's people getting arrested everywhere yeah. so I mean its reputation precedes it and like I, we bolted out of there and found some 
bar in a different part of town, but that that was there was fights, there was this piss, there was fisticuffs everywhere. It was just like a complete shitstorm brouhaha, and I can imagine Daytona Beach being just like I can't. It's it's gross. I mean, Wasega. I guess we get a taste of that. Mm. And Wasega for uh, our listeners, obviously, they don't know what is it. It's north of Toronto. Or? Yeah, beach town on one of the, our, you know, one of our great lakes that everyone goes there and just gets shit faced. And there's for about two months of the year, it's just a rip roaring beach town with these you know, bars right by the waterfront. It's, it's really every, exciting. Every year, but it's not rip roaring. Yeah, <laughs> and, and yeah, that's bad too. And people you know, just get completely. Shit face. Uh, so where are we now? Where are we now? We are at the time in the podcast and we'll discuss what did we learn. And oh my god. I will begin. Okay. So this killer was pretty badass looking. He cut a really striking figure. I mean, he, like I said before, he was dressed head to toe in leather. He had the awesome black um, motorcycle helmet with the visor completely obscuring his face. And yet, when they reveal who the killer is without spoiling anything, it's so incongruous to the uh, to the attire, oh, this yeah. person, <laughs> that it just it just makes everything it belies everything you've seen before. It's true. It's and not it, a. It's it, it is a shock, but no pun intended, given his mo. But it's not a good kind of shock. No, it's not. And it's it's sort of a very lazy mo too, to be honest with you. But you know, I mean, this image of the killer is the poster of the movie and it's fucking badass I can just imagine like somebody actually buying the poster going oh man this is cool you got this motorcycle helmeted killer you got this backdrop of spring break and then you watch the movie and you're like that's who who I have on my wall <laughs> yeah like, exactly honestly, like the killer itself especially since he's brandishing this garrote and you're it's it's like uh, you know that uh, don't forget the cannolis and the godfather I mean that's his MO for a lot of the killings and which is you know, when he's not electrocuting them, he's doing that. He's branching that, and you're thinking, oh, this is really sinister. I mean, there's there's a bunch of uh, motorcycle-clad killers in the horror pantheon. I'm thinking, uh, <laughs> you, this is a liberal use of the word horror, but it's quite horrible. Uh, Rotor, of, one course. In, in, yeah. of course, and then the other being the uh, Boston Set University Slasher Night School, which has another uh, motorcycle killer, and then, of course, the numerous... Uh, I guess the uh, giallos that would have that. I mean, if, if not a motorcycle glove, then you know that's that kind of mask. Yeah, then, what I a mean, poster! I mean, sort po- of going away from horror, but there's Nightwires by George Romero mm. and, and so on, and uh, yeah. And and they could have made a really interesting, let's say, more interesting, uh, developed character out of him. Like he could have been lurking in the shadows. He could have run people off the road. They could have made more of his mean or his like his look of his MO like to do something a little with that. Like he could have uh, been called upon people for roadside assistance. He could have ran them off the road. He could have run over them with his bike. It's pretty funny that he would like take someone's hand and then touch it on this weird uh, electrified trident. It made very little sense. Uh, But Hey, what can you do? There's only so many ways you can really kill people, and I thought that was pretty unique. And the only reason it didn't make it into our book, Death by Umbrella, The 100 Weirdest Horror Movie Weapons, is because killing someone with a motorbike is not exactly novel. This would have been the twist on it that would have made it novel, but still, yeah, it's still... The twist still, being that people had to actually touch the motorcycle. Yeah, but then that's just yeah. sort of splitting hairs, and then really, given the other demises we had with like a... Electric guitar well, with a, a, a homicycle. I mean, that was a uh, uh, homicycle. Oh, uh, Brett Kelly. Brett Kelly's homicycle. I believe he used a. 
it might have been a toilet plunger in that oh, movie. Okay. But oh, that's another uh, motorcycle, motorcycle. Yeah, and that was inspired by Rotor. So oh, good call. So that's four off the top of our head yeah. there. It's a, it's a weird genre. I don't even know if does it qualify as a subgenre, the motorcycle killer. Yeah, I would say so. Hmm. Uh, so how does this compare to uh, other Umberto Lenzi efforts? Apparently, I was I was. Um... Oh God! I, I saw this on IMDb, and my memory's kind of failing me. But Umberto Lenzi pretty much took himself off the project, and uh, because of the the wackiness, and because of the uh, what you consider to be the unseemliness of it all, and even though he is listed as a director, this is from the guy who did Eaten Alive, but that's okay. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Um, where he threw a, a like a mongoose into a, into the, a gaping maw of a snake, and then claimed that it was uh, they just happened upon it. But um, he was David Attenborough. Yeah, uh, yeah, the no, South he, American mongoose. He took himself it? off and said that he was basically more or less just a technical advisor on the picture, and mm. uh, some other um, gentleman whose name I does not uh, come to mind at the moment was the uh, was the director. I, I could look it up right now, but I'm just not going to. But uh, when you say how it's compared to other, other Umberto Lenzi films, it's really not an Umberto Lenzi film because he, once again, although listed as the director, was not really the director. Hmm. Oh, well, one thing I learned was just great, and this guy did get his comeuppance, so he was extremely irritating. Uh, it's par for the course, too, in Slashers, where you have this... Uh, gag guy who has all these accoutrements oh, yeah. and so and when we first meet him and he doesn't have, even he's not even bestowed with a name but he's in a pool and he creates this scene where it's there's blood and people think he's injured himself and they dive in to help him it's just a, pro, a prosthetic and then later in the bar he sidles up to it and pulls out a knife and stabs his hand uh, scaring the bejesus out of the bartender doesn't also have a faint shark attack at one point oh yes <laughs> yeah he has one of those uh, dorsal fin uh you know things that he's swimming around with and which which was a hilarious scene i'm going to add another thing to what i learned the if you see a shark is is pulling out your six shooter and like firing a couple rounds at it really going to be efficacious <laughs> the, the beaches scatter and this this guy says whoa whoa it's only a joke he gets his comeuppance yeah so he this guy guy was sort of like shelly and friday 13th part three and mm. they, they're always there they're always annoying and they always get their uh comeuppance so they're just desserts Oh, another thing I learned, there's this ridiculous subplot of this buxom blonde who is luring uh, lecherous men into her hotel room under different uh, auspices. Uh, in one case, it's to pay for med school, and another is to pay for law school, and these guys come out of the room as if she's a prostitute, and she's actually a masseuse, and it's totally irrelevant, and it's played for, I, I don't know what purpose that serves. She be later becomes a victim, if I'm not mistaken, but you do find out, oh, she's a masseuse and not a, a whore. Uh, there's a guy who, again, for comic relief, a la Shelley, there's a guy who screams, Gators, Gators, as he's being arrested and at various party scenes. So they reprise that gag four yeah. times. And the Gators is the Actually, nickname of the university. Was funny. It was <laughs> University of Florida football team. So there's some sort of reference yeah. to that. Yeah. Oh, uh, another thing I've learned, and this will be the final thing, is the music here. Part of it was Claudio Simonetti, the goblin principal, best yeah. known for contamination and, mm -hmm. and um, oh, a slew of, well, other... Uh, Fulci films, films and all that, so uh, he can't be held responsible for the like, the ear-shattering, uh, awful uh, noodling on the guitar, but the rest of it, uh, it's yeah. on him. Probably not his finest hour here. Star rating. Well, before that, I just want to reiterate how how egregious it was. Like you know, you are you're trying to oh demons as well, Claudia you're, Simonetti. You're trying, to, yeah. you're trying to cover up these killings, and 
to take one of the victims and throw him in a fucking quarry and cover him up with limestone. I'm going to give him a proper burial. Not alert his... Uh, yeah, his next, his of, next kin. of kin. And also to use the shovel to bury him to wipe... Uh, fingerprints of a guy you're trying to frame. I mean, this, that's dirty, dirty, dirty. Yeah, like dirty. LAPD has got nothing on this guy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, damn striker, you. Uh, <laughs> star rank for me for this film is a solid three stars. It was a fun uh, romp, and um, I really appreciated the look of the killer. I appreciated the uh, the mo of the killer. I appreciate the victims, the way they looked after you know they were after they came in contact with the killer. I really liked the charred corpses. Bit different than your usual slasher film where you, yeah. know, you have your arterial sprays and what have you <laughs> so no i yeah. three stars for me and um it was a fun film it wasn't it wasn't a top shelf yellow like seven blessing orchids it wasn't uh it wasn't anywhere near as fun as nightmare city that's for sure and it definitely uh had nothing in common with any of Lindsay's cannibal films but it was a fun movie and whether or not Lindsay was the actual director of the film, as he claims he wasn't, I mean, but that could just be him in hindsight saying this film is kind of crap. I'm going to put the blame on somebody else. It doesn't matter. I'm giving it three stars. I liked it. Chris, what's your star rating? Well, I watched it a couple times this week, and it just it doesn't reach the, the summit of hilarity of of the likes of Nightmare Beach, which just Nightmare City. Re, night. Oh God, Nightmare. Oh, Nightmare City. My my bad. AKA. Uh, City of the Walking Dead. Uh, Remember, they're not zombies. They're not. They're not zombies. <laughs> and the, the face melt here almost reminded me of Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Like it's that, that kind of, you know, the melt, and then you're, you're left with these eyeballs. One of the gang members reminded me of the one of the uh, girls in The Warriors, who is sort of uh, separated out from the gang, and she's tough, and she's wearing this pendant that belongs to one of the deceased, and she ties into all this. She is a link between Skip and the biker gang and the cops. So that was really neat. I'm gonna almost. I'm gonna push this close to four because this wow. is rip roaring. This is so dynamic. And again, these lines. It's like eat your heart out, Dick Wolf. Like this is where my sister lived before she was murdered. And uh, this reveal that oh my friend was murdered. And the friends. The other friend says oh my. If you told me one of our friends was murdered, oh my, would not be the first utterance, you know? That would be oh me, oh my. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm going to give this three and three quarters. Wow, this is, that's a lofty rating. I'm oh surprised. my God. Like, yeah. And you can, I think it's pretty apparent in the finished product that Lindsay had distanced himself from it uh, because his other work shows a kind of visual sophistication that this one is really, frankly, lacking, but we're not going to... I mean, we can't take umbrage with the cinematography or anything. It's just sort of like it just—it doesn't have his his stamp, and so I could see that he distanced himself from it. It doesn't have I think, the and and I think another reason you're giving it three and three quarters is because of uh, the boobs. You're a mm -hmm. boob hunter, and uh, <laughs> boob hunter. There's quite a bit of boobs in this one. <laughs> Chris so. Lombardo colon boob hunter. Yeah. Oh God. Uh, oh yeah, there was lots to look at, but there it's really like wasn't. Croft, Tomb Raider, Chris Lombardo, boob hunter. <laughs> 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 but it didn't use that conceit for anything. Like, let's put it this way. We did not need uh, the beach. Because for a movie called Nightmare Beach, there was no killings on the beach. True. So it's pretty weird. So Manatee Beach, uh, really the killings were all in hotel rooms or on these or on the deserted roads. Or, yeah. and, and beside like the, the, uh, and byways and whatever, the yeah. clubhouse and, uh, of the gang, of the demons gang and... Yeah, I don't know. Just a little bit of... But this movie goes by another title that was also on Amazon Prime. I can't even remember the... Yeah, I guess in the broader sense, this beach was a nightmare if, if you're only peripherally associated with it. Uh, 
it became a much bigger nightmare and they could have nipped it in the bud very early because yeah again no investigation went into any of it because you could have let's say at the crime scene spotted uh, tire tracks of somebody speeding away like if you're on a motorbike maybe there would have been something you if someone's electrocuted and burned on a site i mean they do acknowledge that the victims were burned but there was no uh, follow-up investigation uh, with this uh, who would be so inclined to do this there's a reference to diablo mm -hmm. and the coroner hilariously said there's been instances where people have been electrocuted and they've turned into zombies and so they're trying to like call back to <laughs> the not red exactly hair. what he said he well said, i'm paraphrasing but they're, yeah. they're trying to add a little bit of clout and, and weight to the stupid red herring conceit is total horseshit like they could have i don't know what like, they could have if they really wanted to build this up and here i am uh, 30 years after the fact offering advice but they could have had a failed electrocution and then they could have had uh, the killer incapacitated who maybe escapes mm -hmm. uh, or is on the run and then someone you know they speculate that that would be the killer's MO so that would that's a way to better establish the red herring not this because that's absurd there's, there's no way like you pronounce the guy dead he's in the morgue he's done for so the fact that he could have been <laughs> a zombie and survived this i don't know that really bizarre and ridiculous and but again at least this i forget the doctor's name but yeah you mentioned him earlier the genre stalwart has been in, the, yeah. in tarantino films and a, yeah. a long history in the 70s red state by kevin smith was Ooh. actually an actually good movie, uh, movie by kevin smith i mean he hasn't made many of those but uh, <laughs> one and uh red state being another well, this was a like, very, very spirited effort, very lively. The quintessential Saturday afternoon, bad weather, good, bad movie. Just, yeah, again, three and three quarters for me. They're just becoming me. such a lensy fanboy. I can't, like, I, I own a Nightmare City shirt. I'm just so thrilled with that movie, beyond belief. Like, it's such a glorious piece of art. Uh, it's outsider art, and this is not as far outside, but, man, it, it's, it's well worth your time, as I hope you think the Really Awful Movies podcast is. Every Friday, new episodes uploaded for your listening pleasure, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care.